What is up, Mariners fans? I am Seattle Sports Media's utility infielder, Andy Patton, and you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Mariners once again manhandled the Detroit Tigers last night, winning 11-6 behind three home runs from Kyle Seeger. We'll talk about that, and then coming up in our second segment, we're going to take a look at what's going down in the AL West, which will be a new weekly segment on Wednesdays. Since it's the first one, I'll provide my thoughts on how the division has played out so far this season and what's in store for the future of each different team. Finally, we'll continue our daily tradition of celebrating birthdays for former and current Seattle Mariners. There's only one to celebrate for August 14th, but it's a player I have a story about, so stay tuned. The Mariners continue their dominance against one of the few teams in the American League struggling more than they are, the Detroit Tigers. If you remember their four-game series they had in July, the Mariners won two games in blowout fashion and two games on a walk-off. I don't know about you, but I can't think of worse ways. If I had to rank the ways to lose a game, I think that getting blown out is the worst. Uh, getting beat on a walk-off or in extra innings is second worst. And then your your typical 7-4 to four kind of loss, That that's the, that's the least bad of the ways to lose a game. So Tigers have just been <laughs> given all the worst ways to lose a game by the Mariners. Malik Smith had the two walk-offs uh, in the first series in July, and I think the other games were... It was eight to one, and I think ten to two, or something like that. And then, you know, here we are today. The Tigers managed to score six runs against the Mariners, which is their highest offensive output against them this this season. And the Mariners went ahead and scored eleven runs, and ended up kind of taking it to the house on them. So, this game is all about Kyle Seager, though. Kyle Seager had three home runs. Uh, if you saw, it looked more like two and a half home runs. Uh, his third home run bounced off the glove of uh, Nico Goodrum and went over the wall for his third home run with two outs in the ninth inning. So he barely snuck that one. He didn't even sneak it over. He snuck that one over for a home run, I guess. We'll call it that. Um, The first three home run game for the Mariners since 2010. So it's been nearly a decade since the last time that happened. So really good to see for Kyle Seager. You know, he had a rough start to the season. Uh, He's always kind of been a slow starter. Uh, In this case, because he was hurt until June, his slow start made it seem like, you know, he didn't really get going until July. Um, But since July 1st, he's been hitting great. Um, it's been really, you know, Kyle Seager's a guy you want to root for, you know, he's done everything right in the Mariners, you know, he's, yeah, he's on a big contract and I know some people are a little frustrated with that. I remember when he signed it, it was a couple years ago, seven years, a hundred million dollars. That really isn't that bad. Uh, it looks a little bad now because of how he's played, but when you look at other contracts that have been out there, uh, I, I think the Mariners are, are content with what happened with that contract. I don't think that. That's one that they're really deeply regretting. It's certainly not as bad as Felix Hernandez's contract or Robinson Cano's, which they were able to move, thankfully. But Seager is is he's one of those guys that you're just always going to remember him fondly for his time here in Seattle. What I've always liked about him is that he always set out to. I remember it was like three years in a row. He would set out, he'd say, "This is my offseason goal. This is the improvement I'm going to make." And he would do it. He he said, "I want to become better at fielding," and he became a Gold Glove caliber third baseman. He said, "I want to." Work on bunting against the shift was a more recent one. You know, I want to figure out how to beat the shift, and he's he's done that a couple of times when the situation called for it. He's bunted over to to try to beat the shift, and it's worked. Um, but my favorite one, and the one I want to talk about today, is when he decided I'm going to become better against left-handed pitching. And not only has Kyle Seager become better against left-handed pitching, he has become elite at it. He has been one of the best left-handed hitters against left-handed pitching in the league. Uh, in fact, this this stat showed up on the broadcast yesterday. For those of you who are watching the game, you might have seen it. Um, with his two today, he or yesterday, excuse me, he hit two off Matthew Boyd. 
That gives him 66 home runs against left-handed pitchers since 2012 when he debuted. That's the most in the league by a fair amount. Um, next is Chris Davis with 57, Jay Bruce 55, Anthony Rizzo 51. So, I mean, Kyle Seager's got more home runs against left-handed pitching than all of those guys, than Joey Votto, than Bryce Harper, than Robinson Cano, than David Ortiz. I mean, he has really, really pitched hit well against left-handed pitching, and that's something that it's not often talked about how hard that is. You know, everybody notices like, oh, lefties never hit well against lefties. Well, it's because when you come up, you don't see a lot of lefties when you're in middle school. You might see a few more when you're in high school. You see a few more when you're in college. And obviously you start to see them more in the minor leagues because there's there's more of them pitching at each level, you know. And in middle school, just about everybody plays baseball. So 9% of the world is left-handed. So maybe 15, 20% of the guys you face are are left-handed. It steadily improves. And now in the major leagues, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's about or a little slightly over 50% uh, left-handed pitchers. And left-handed hitters see them a lot, you know, because they they bring in loogies to specifically face them a lot of the time. And it's because they're just not as used to seeing it. Right-handed hitters grew up seeing right-handed pitching. So they're more used to it. Uh, left-handed hitters didn't. And it's, it's a challenge for some of them. Some of them never get over it. I mean, we've seen entire careers where guys who were very, very good hitters never really hit left-handed pitching. And Kyle Seager went out and said, I don't want to be that. I want to fix that. I want to do something different than that. And he has. I mean, I'm still looking at this. He has 24 more home runs against left-handed pitching than Robinson Cano in that same amount of time. You know, they've played around the same amount. Uh, Kyle Seager's played 750, excuse me, 746 games in that time, and Cano's played 753. And he's just been better at hitting left-handed, you know, hitting home runs. Their batting averages are about the same, but... That, that, to me, that's an incredible stat, and that's one that I really wanted to highlight today, and Kyle Seager gave me a great opportunity to do so. You know, his third home run was against a righty, but he took Matt Boyd deep twice. Um, and on any other day, literally any other day, this would be a Tom Murphy podcast because he had two home runs today. He followed Kyle Seager on both of them in the fourth and the sixth inning. He ran Matthew Boyd out of the game. Um, but, you know, you got to talk about the guy who hit three home runs, so... Maybe we'll have another podcast where we talk about Tom Murphy because I think he's been one of the best backup catchers the Mariners have had in a really long time. Um, and he kind of unheralded, you know, he was a guy who came from Colorado. Maybe we'll talk about him today. Who, who knows? We're already doing it. Um, Tom Murphy is a guy that I've, I've enjoyed watching him for the Mariners. He's been kind of a, a breath, breath of fresh air. The whole catching position, Omar Narvaez has been great. Tom Murphy has been great. It's been fun to see them get some production out of that position. That's not not an intentional knock on Mike Zanino. He was a guy I was really rooting for, but you know, his you can blame it on the development of the Mariners front office. They rushed him to the major leagues. I, I do believe that that's probably the case in some degree, but you know, you see him over in Tampa Bay. He's, you know, he hit that home run against the Mariners a few days ago, but catcher's been a pretty weak position for the Mariners for a really long time. Uh, and it's nice even though these guys are probably both temporary. I don't know who the Mariners catcher of the future is going to be. Cal Raleigh's having a good year in the minor leagues. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily the guy, but uh, it's nice to see Narvaez and Tom Murphy put together a, a battery combination that is among the best in the American League, maybe in the entire league. You know, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me here, but I would bet that their combined production is pretty good. You know, it's up there with, with you know, Gary Sanchez of the Yankees is clearly the best when he's healthy. Wilson Contreras on the Cubs. Uh, but, yeah, I, I like what the Mariners have gotten out of the catcher position this year, and I, I bet they do too. So good to see Tom Murphy have a good game. Great to see Kyle Seeger have a great game. 
Uh, it wasn't all great. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi did not have a good game. Um, we just talked about him on the podcast on uh, Tuesday. Uh, he was one of the mailbag questions that I got, and he or on excuse me Monday. Monday. And yeah, he you know he's his slider's great, but he's got a lot of home run issues, uh, which reared his head again uh, today. Uh, and he's just he doesn't look like himself. You know, he he was he was strong to begin the year. Um, I think his delivery was deceptive. His slider was great. He was locating his fastball better, and it's just it's not there right now. Um, you know, gave up a lot of doubles in this game. Um, round tripper to uh, John Hicks, who I believe has a batting average around 400 against the Mariners. I don't know if that's uh, revenge for him since he uh, he came up with the Mariners actually played third third base in his first major league game with the Mariners for those who who may remember that before he ended up over in Detroit where he's a catcher slash first baseman for them he's not having a good year but he's having a good year against the Mariners um, so anyway Kikuchi is a guy that I just I hope he can finish out the year with a couple of good starts give him a little confidence uh, he's got a lot of work to do I think there are there are things he can do. To fix what's going on, I, I, it's it's fixable. I talked about that on Monday, but he's he's got some work to do. It's not just a tiny little tweak. I think there's he's got to really learn learn how to control his fastball and put it in spots that that are better suited for what his breaking ball can do. And again, maybe he'll get there. I hope he gets there. Um, I don't think we're looking at a future Masahiro Tanaka or. Daisuke Matsuzaka or Yu Darvish type guy, uh, but he could be solid. I think he could be a decent mid-rotation arm with some work, and we'll we'll see what he's able to do this offseason. But like I said, hopefully he can have have a few nice starts before then. Uh, Brandon Brennan, uh, that was the other kind of bad news from the game. He exited after two pitches. He was kind of shaking his arm. Uh, didn't look good. Hard to say what it was as of this recording. I, there's not been any news about what the situation is with Brandon Brennan. By the time you're listening to it, that may have come out. Um, I will make sure to post an update on my Twitter account. You can follow me at Andy Patton, S-E-A. Uh, if you're listening to this in the car, please don't grab your phone and go to follow me right now. Uh, when you get to work or when you get wherever you're going, go ahead and check, and hopefully I'll be able to get an update to you guys as soon as possible. But uh, this, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's hard to know. It could have just been discomfort, and he'll be ready to go tomorrow. Uh, it could be a DL stint, or sorry, an injured list, IL stint, I'll try to get used to that, uh, that sends him out for the rest of the year. Um, it's, you know, he's just coming off a shoulder injury, so I would guess that the Mariners are going to be more cautious than anything. There's not really any reason to rush him back. Uh, there's there's zero reason to rush him back. Uh, so my guess, if I had to guess, is that this could be rest of the month, probably at a minimum, potentially just shut him down for the rest of the year and try to get him healthy for spring training. So. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Mariners have called up a whole lot of relievers so far this year, so I'm sure they'll find somebody else to come up and take his place. Uh, but, yeah, you never want to see a guy get hurt, especially when he just came back from the injured list, so that's that's too bad. Final bit of news before we get into our second segment. Uh, Felix Hernandez is expected to make a rehab start with Everett, the Everett Aquasox this evening. So for those of you who live in the Everett area and want to go out to a Aqua Sox game, they're playing the Tri-City Dust Devils, Dust Devils, excuse me, and King Felix will be on the mound. Uh, I don't know how long he's going to go. I would imagine he's not going to throw a, a super long time. He's just trying to get, you know, get healthy. He's rehabbing, obviously. So, uh, but you know, for those of you who've missed watching the King pitch, that's a great opportunity to get out to Everett. And it's a cool little park out there for those of you who have not been. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a a great way to spend a Wednesday evening hanging out with King Felix and, and watching some minor league baseball. So, Coming up next, I'm going to take a look around the AL West and how they've performed this week in what will be a weekly segment. I'll also give a quick rundown of how they've done this season and what is in store for the future for each of the four teams. 
Only one former Mariner's birthday today, but I have a fun story to share about him. Before we do that, though, let's talk about the AL West. All right, I'm going to talk about each AL West team in, I guess, the power rankings order. I'm just doing it by the order of the uh, their record right now, but I suppose this would be the if I were to do a power rankings weekly, weekly, then this is the order that I would do it in. So obviously, Houston's first. Uh, they split a doubleheader with the White Sox today. They won six to two and lost one to four. They're now 78 and 42 on the year. They have a comfortable lead in the AL West. Um, they didn't need to go get Zach Greinke to win the AL West, but man, it's sure sure nice for them to have him. Uh, this is the Astros' year. I, I think it's. I mean, the Dodgers are great. Uh, the Braves are good in the National League. The Nationals could surprise some people. Obviously, the Yankees have had a monstrous year, um, but the Astros have just such a balanced team. Everybody wants to talk about their rotation. And why wouldn't you want to talk about their pitching rotation? It's got Justin Verlander is having a phenomenal year. He's the ageless wonder. Him and Max Scherzer, which just don't want to keep dunking on the Detroit Tigers, but man, oh man, the fact that they had both of them is a bummer. Um, But Verlander has continued to be absolutely dominating. Um, If there was ever any doubt about his Hall of Fame credentials, there no longer is. He has been one of the best pitchers in his 30s that I have ever seen in my life. Uh, Garrett Cole is arguably better than him this year. He is the first to reach 200 strikeouts. Uh, He did it in, like, June, something just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, He's having a tremendous season as well. Probably the favorite for Cy Young, unless I'm not thinking of anybody, but uh, it's probably between those two guys, realistically, uh, and that's just absurd. Uh, Wade Miley, if Mariners fans probably remember him, uh, Wade Miley is having an outstanding season as well. Uh, and so they have these three guys who, two guys who are legitimate bona fide aces, and then one guy who is pitching like an ace. Uh, and then for the heck of it, they're going to go out and get Zach Greinke too. Why not? You know, uh, they they had to give up a fair amount of prospects. Uh, not any of their top two guys. Uh, they parted with Seth Beer and Joshua Rojas and a couple other guys. I don't have it up, but uh, yeah, they, you know, Greinke's obviously phenomenal. He's having a phenomenal year. He's one of the few other pitchers besides Scherzer and Verlander who is continuing to be excellent into his 30s. Um, you see a lot of pitchers fall apart at that time. Uh, we just talked about one, unfortunately, with Felix Hernandez, but these guys have, have not, and they've been pitching outstanding, and there's clearly something the Astros are doing. Uh, some people think it's maybe malicious uh, in the sense that these guys are all of a sudden getting really high spin rates on their fastballs. Uh, I think they're just, it's good coaching. Uh, they, they're seeing something that some of these guys are doing, and they think, hey, we can turn that into, you know, we can make you into something better than what you've been. And that the great example of that is Aaron Sanchez. Obviously, Mariners fans saw him recently. He was having a real tough season with the Blue Jays, uh, ERA about six. Uh, and the Astros acquired him, and he threw no six no-hit innings against the Mariners in his first start. He, he threw a career-high curveballs. I believe it was the highest percentage of curveballs that he'd ever thrown in a start, which is something the Astros have always preached, is going away from they don't like sinker ballers or two-seam fastball throwers. They want guys to throw four-seam fastballs and a lot of breaking balls. And it clearly worked for Sanchez. It's something that would work for him early in his career. He'd gone away from it a little bit. He was kind of a an inconsistent sinker baller with the Blue Jays for a while and the Astros it, apparently he hasn't been there very long so who knows it might you know could backfire on them here soon but for now it's like hey we want you to throw a lot of four seam fastballs we want you to throw a lot of breaking balls and it has worked so far uh, he's kind of penciled in as our last number five starter um, yeah uh, that's that all that is just their pitching rotation their bullpen is solid as well uh, and their their hitting lineup I mean it's now that everybody's healthy 
I, Carlos Correa is a stud. Alex Bregman is a, has a little bit of a rough start to the year, but he's been great lately. Same with Jose Altuve. Yuli Gurriel is having a fantastic season as their first baseman. George Springer is a you know perennial All Star, potential MVP candidate if he can stay healthy. The Indians were so desperate for outfield help this year, yet for some reason they let Michael Brantley walk, and he's having a great year over in Houston. He was an All Star as well. Uh, Josh Reddick, and then of course Jordan Alvarez, who is. Your AL Rookie of the Year at this point, I think. He's having a fantastic season. One of the best young hitters that I've seen in a really long time. So, yeah, sometimes it just doesn't feel fair. You know, the Astros took their lumps for years, about six or seven years ago. You know, they were bad. They had a lot of first early first-round picks. They hit well on a couple draft picks. Um, and now here they are. You know, they're 78-42 and 42 with the best pitching rotation in baseball, one of the best lineups in baseball, an above-average bullpen. I have a hard time seeing anybody be able to beat them in, in October. I mean, realistically, you're going to need to to get past Verlander, who's an outstanding playoff pitcher, Garrett Cole, who's the best pitcher in the American League right now, in my opinion, uh, Zach Greinke, who, you know, is he doesn't have as much playoff experience, but he's extremely solid. Uh, Wade Miley's having a great year. It's just it's going to be hard. It's going to be really, really hard to beat them. Anyway, that's Houston. Uh, moving down the line, the Oakland A's. They are losing to the Giants at the time of recording this. Uh, it's 3-1 to one in the ninth inning, so I don't know exactly what the final score is by the time you're listening to this, but um, they're 67-51 and 51 on the season. They're two games out of the wild card right now, so this game has big ramifications, as do pretty much every game from here on out for the team. So um, they're two games behind the Rays, uh, and the Indians are in first place in the wild card race. There's a whole bunch of teams right there. I'm looking at it. Um, so, yeah, the Cleveland's in first, Tampa Bay, and then Oakland's two behind them. Boston's six behind Oakland. Texas is two and a half behind Boston. So it's really probably going to be two out of the three between Cleveland, Tampa Bay, and Oakland. Uh, I wouldn't completely count out Boston yet. Obviously, they have a very talented roster. They have not had a good season. Their pitching, particularly their bullpen, has been bad. But uh, a, a nice hot streak at the end of the month, and all of a sudden they're going to be right in it. So, But, yeah, the A's, A's have been another team that, I'm kind of not sure how they're doing this in a way, you know. I mean, they have a lot of talent, obviously, but, uh, you know, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson are great. Uh, first baseman Mark Canna is having an excellent year uh, in the outfield for them. Uh, Marcus Semyon is really, really good. He does not get nearly enough credit. He came up as such a bad fielding shortstop, and now he's he's borderline elite as a defensive shortstop, and that's kind of a, a pretty shocking transition for him to make. So uh, he, he's been very good. Uh, Chris Davis has been okay. He hasn't been quite the player they wanted. Same with Jerks and Profar. But for me, I'm just I'm looking. Here's their here's what's listed as their rotation on their depth chart. It's Mike Fires, Brett Anderson, Chris Bassett, Homer Bailey, and Tanner Rourke. I cannot imagine that rotation winning them a playoff series. And, and those guys have been good this year. I'm not trying to you know dunk on any of them. I think you know Brett Anderson's having a good year. Uh, Tanner Rourke's been okay. Homer Bailey's been surprisingly good. Uh, they obviously they did have um, Frankie Montes was having a really good year. He got suspended for PEDs, so he's he's taken up a good chunk of starts for them this year too. But I don't know. I I, I think this team has enough magic around them to sneak into a wild card spot. But you know they're going to face say they face Cleveland in a one game playoff, and Cleveland throws pick anybody. They throw Mike Clevenger. They they throw Shane Bieber. Uh, they throw Carlos Carrasco. Or, excuse me. They can't throw Carlos Carrasco unfortunately. Uh, but they throw. Uh, Kluber, if he's healthy, um, they're going to throw him against two Mike Fires. I, 
I, I think the best case scenario for Oakland is to sneak into that wild card game and, and then after there just hope hope somebody breaks down um, and hope they can sneak a win out of it. But still heck of a year for them. You know, they've been doing their money ball thing for a long time now. They got a team full of some young budding superstars and Matt Chapman and Matt Olson are great, great players. I really think that they're uh, you know, a, a bit underappreciated around the league, and um, but yeah, this this is a, a team that's that's done a lot of a lot of good this year, and I think there's a good chance they'll sneak into that wild card game. But I I don't see a whole lot beyond that. Next is the Rangers. They lost today to the Blue Jays to go just under 500. They are now 59 and 60 on the year. Um, the Rangers confuse me. I don't I don't know what they're doing exactly. They have a kind of a weird mix of young talent that they could potentially build around, uh, and then a lot of veteran guys. They signed every starting pitcher who had had injury history in the past and hoped they would hit on one of them. They did. Uh, Mike or Mike Miner and Lance Lynn have both been having good years. Um, they tried it with Drew Smiley and Shelby Miller. It didn't work. Um, I would take two for four any day of the week. If you're going to sign four kind of has-been injured starting pitchers, so it's worked out pretty well for them. Uh, Hunter Pence has been phenomenal for them this year. Uh, Shinsu Chu's having a good year. They, they had a lot of guys who kind of, veteran guys in particular, who really had really strong starts to the year, and for a while it looked like, hey, man, they, they're going to go for it. They're going to try. And then they didn't really do anything they, they've kind of they faded now you know they're they're pretty far out of the playoff spot it's not really in the in the cards firm right now and so they're just kind of here you know they they have uh joey gallo is hurt and that sucks he's been one of their best players he's having a, a really good year as well and so but they you know they were talking about platooning nomar mazara and then they willie calhoun is the guy that they've just jettisoned between the triple a and the major leagues for years now he's actually played well when he's been up but they just they don't ever want to commit to giving him a full-time job they have now but that's mostly because of the injuries they've kind of had to give him a full-time job um i don't know it's a weird they, they, they had his ruble cabrera they cut him they didn't trade him at the deadline they just cut him shortly after the trade deadline um i'm not sure what they're doing and i'm not sure they know what they're doing um their young core that I talked about earlier isn't as young as it used to be. You know, Nomar Mazara is in his mid-20s. Willie Calhoun, I think, is 23, 24. Ruknet Odur is not, no longer young. Elvis Andrus is no longer young. Um, their rotation, they have a couple young guys who are okay. They traded for Colby Allard, and I, I like Colby Allard. He's a left-handed prospect for the Braves, but he's, you know, he's not an ace. He's a 3-4-5 type starter. He's had a couple good starts since he came up, or since he's been up with them, but I don't know. I'm I'm curious the direction this team takes because I think it will have a pretty solid impact on what the Mariners kind of when the Mariners choose to really throw all their put all their chips on their table and go for it. If the Astros are going to be good for a long time, you kind of just have to expect that. The A's, it's hard to tell. I think they're going to be good for a while. They have a young core. They seem pretty committed to at least not completely rebuilding. So I think they're going to be in the mix for a while. But if the Rangers are also going for it, it might make the Mariners a little bit more hesitant to push to push all their chips in. But if the Rangers scrap everything and start rebuilding in a year or two, that might be when the Mariners say, okay, we're going to push for it because we may not be able to beat the Astros, but we can at least push really hard for a wild card spot and maybe sneak our way in that way or hope that maybe you know an injury bug hits the Astros or they start to fade a little bit and you can kind of push for it then. But I don't think they're going to push up against everybody. Um, the Mariners, I mean, so they may have to wait and see what the what the Rangers are going to do, and that's kind of up in the air. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's quite sure what the Rangers are going to do, uh, including, I think, the Rangers front office. So 
we'll have to see. Uh, I'm, uh, they're a team I'm very curious about going forward. Finally, we have the Angels, who are 58 and 62 right now. They are losing to the Pirates. Uh, I don't know the final result of that game, like I said, but they're same type of thing. They're right behind the Rangers. Uh, they're they're out of the playoff picture, fighting for a 500 record. The Rangers or the Angels have got to be a frustrating team to be a fan of. You know, you have the best player on planet Earth on your team, Mike Trout. You have a superstar in Shohei Otani. I know he's not pitching this year, but his hitting numbers have been astoundingly good, far better than anybody I think could have projected when he was coming out. He was always the, hey, he's a great pitcher and an okay hitter, might be a good platoon type bat. And he's been an elite hitter and he was a borderline elite pitcher when he was healthy. But obviously, you know, he's missed the entire year with Tommy John surgery. So we'll have to see what, what they have out of him next year. But a team with Trout and Otani and, 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 you know, they have other good guys too. Justin Upton's having a bad year, admittedly, um, but he's solid. Uh, and Dalton Simmons is all-star caliber player. Cole Calhoun's had his ups and downs, but he's solid. And they're just, they're, they're bad. I mean, they're, they're a, a middling team and they kind of always have been a middling team and they just haven't quite, I mean, they tried. Obviously you don't go sign Albert Pujols when you're not trying. You don't go sign a Justin Upton when you're not trying. You don't go spend however godly amount of money they spent to get Shohei Otani. You know, they, they are making an effort, but they can't, they cannot keep pitchers healthy. I was going to say they can't develop pitchers, but that's not true. Um, Andrew Haney is a guy, he didn't come up in their system, but they kind of developed him and he's been solid. Patrick Sandoval has pitched a few starts for him recently. He's looked pretty solid. Uh, Griffin Canning is going to be very good. He pitched today. He didn't pitch great today, but he's a young man who I think is going to be a very good pitcher in the major leagues, and they, they developed him. Jose Suarez is okay. He's in their rotation right now. I, they can develop pitching okay. They cannot keep it healthy, and their free agent signings last year were absolutely atrocious. I mean, they I get the decision-making behind what they did. They wanted to, to patch together a rotation for a year, similar to what the A's have been doing, um, because they knew that... Uh, Shohei Otani was going to come back next year so they, they could sign guys on one-year contracts and then let him go in the offseason and then have, have a spot for Otani and then have a spot for Patrick Sandoval and Griffin Canning. Those were guys that they thought, well, we won't need them until 2020, so let's sign some veterans, kind of go through this year with those guys, hope they turn out really, hope they turn out good, have rebound years, and then we'll go with Canning and Otani and everybody in 2020. Not a bad plan, but Trevor Cahill and Matt Harvey were the two guys that they signed, and they whew, it did not work out well at all. Those guys have been beyond bad. Uh, Harvey got cut. Cahill is still on the roster, I believe. He's just permanently in the bullpen. So, you know, you, you gotta you gotta make moves like that. You gotta try. There's a reason that teams are always hesitant to sign veteran pitchers. Um, you know, when you see veteran pitchers on the market, and you're like, why didn't that guy get signed? You know, why didn't Dallas Keuchel sign? And why? It's because this happens a lot, you know, and Keiko's not a great example because he's actually been pretty good for the Braves. But, yeah, it, it, it backfired on him. And the Angels, I don't know what it is, whether it's a training staff issue or just really unfortunate luck, but they have not been able to keep help pitchers healthy. All right, my friends, we are running short on time, so I'm going to keep this quick. Thankfully for segment three, we only have one birthday to celebrate today on August 14th. That is former third baseman Alex Liddy. Liddy is turning 31 today. Uh, you may remember Alex Liddy. He played briefly for the Mariners a little bit in 2011 through 2013. Uh, he was kind of an up-and-coming, promising guy. I think they really wanted him to be third baseman of the future. Fortunately, they found a guy named Kyle Seeger. Uh, Liddy hit three home runs in 2011 and three home runs in 2012, which, fun reminder, that's how many home runs Kyle Seeger hit yesterday. 
So that's exciting. Um, he played 61 games overall for the Mariners. Uh, he hit 208 with a 266 on base percentage, uh, obviously the six home runs. So clearly didn't quite pan out. He bounced around for a while. He was actually still playing in the Mexican League right now. Uh, not sure if he's trying to get back to the major leagues or just wanting to still play baseball. Obviously, he's only 31 as of today. So who knows? Maybe he'll make it back. Uh, for me, I just wanted to share a quick story with you all. Uh, one of the games I went to, I'm guessing it was during 2011 because I remember it was when Alex Liddy was kind of a guy that people were talking about. Um, I was standing out in left field with my dad. Uh, we were behind the bullpen in that little area kind of underneath the stairs. For those of you who've been to T-Mobile Park, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, and Alex Liddy hit a batting practice home run ball, and I looked up, and it was coming right at me, and I reached out, and I got ready to catch it, and it had a little tail on the end. For those of you who've who've tried to catch a home run ball or a deep fly ball, you know what I'm talking about. And it ended up tailing just out of reach of my arm and just drilled the guy next to me who was on his phone and not paying any attention. So uh, I still managed to get the ball, and I thought about giving it to him because I felt kind of bad, but he wasn't looking, so I took it. So that's the first. I have a couple balls now, but that was the first batting practice home run ball that I never got. So I uh, was definitely hoping Alex Liddy would turn into a little bit more than he did. Um, but you know what? He played in the big leagues for a couple years. He's still playing the game he loves. He just turned 31, so good on him. So happy birthday to you, Mr. Alex Liddy. Tomorrow's podcast will recap tonight's game against the Detroit Tigers, and we will have our first Throwback Thursday segment in Locked On Mariners history. Once again, I'm Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at AndyPattonSEA. You can find the Lockdown Mariners podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening and go Mariners.